Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Thanksgiving edition of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, guys, what's going on? It is Jason. <laughs> and we are mostly healthy, whole people this week, having continuing to recover from the Rona, except Jason's... I feel great. Except Jason's going to have a root canal again, so... Yeah, but that happened before the Rona, <laughs> that, it, to be fair. It's true. Unrelated. But also not pleasant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's Thanksgiving. I hope everyone has a wonderful holiday. Those of you in the U.S., those of you outside the U.S., happy last week, full week of November. I'd... What What's the Canadian version of Thanksgiving? Is it like Boxing Day or something? No, Boxing Day is like Christmas, kind of. Oh, uh, okay. I don't know. Canadian... Tim, Hortons, Tim Hortons Day? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the day that Tim Hortons was founded. That's <laughs> like the Canadian quote of Thanksgiving. No, Canada does have a Thanksgiving. I think it's earlier in the year, right? Canadians, you have to tell me. Post on the Facebook. Yeah, I was like, if you're asking me, I don't know. I just made a joke about Boxing Day being right now. I know you're not. You don't know what the Canadians do. Um, I'm just saying that. I, I think I, they do have a Thanksgiving, but I think it is in October. October maybe or sometime earlier like earlier in the fall of course it is they couldn't do it at the same time as us that would just make too much sense way to well, go it's not like they weren't developing their own history I don't want to hear your excuses for them okay? oh my gosh Murka get off get over yourself I will not I will just keep saying what I said everyone I, I want to apologize now for my husband who is talking stupid. <laughs> uh, I mean they should be used to that by now <laughs> I guess so. So we just might want to move on to news so that you can quit talking nonsense about Thanksgiving and things that you don't know about, like other cultures. Sounds good. So today I have some really interesting Kickstarter finds. I'm pretty into it. The first one is something that Jason doesn't care about, know about anything, but um, it is called... Before the Stroke of Midnight, and it is um, a five, a new like 5e book, um, I don't want to say scenario, but kind of, for, um, based on like Edgar Allan Poe. So it's like this gothic fantasy RPG um, for 5e, which is what I like to play. Sorry, all of you, um, like. AD&Ders, Pathfinders. I really like the 5e system. It just makes so much sense to me. I find that it's easy, but that's all to there. So I think this, it's really cool because you get like the adventure, you get this like new compendium um, for, let's call the Black Ravens compendium that has stuff for this adventure and kind of in this world. Um, there's maps. They got cool goth character sheets. There's new monsters and stuff they've created. Um, there's these scalable encounters. It seems really cool. And like the whole s scenario is based on this duchess is dead and her will is missing. So you have to find the will. You have to find the true heir, you know, see if you can find the murderer. Like it's like a, this really in this creepy old castle. It's just stuff that I love. I love that early like I just love gothic literature a little creepy a little like stuffy I just it I don't know it's just fun I love it um so if you love stuff like that too 
There are five days left on this Kickstarter. And to get either a hard copy or a soft copy of the book plus a PDF version, it's only 21 bucks. But you can get, if you just want an online only version for PDF, it is much cheaper. I'm thinking it's, uh, let me look now that I said that. Digital copy is about $9. So you can get a hardback or a paperback for the same price? That is what it says, yes. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I would want a hardcover book for sure to match the rest of it, my other. But yeah, you can get hardcover or softcover. I think the theme of this one sounds cool. I still don't want to play D&D, but the Edgar Allan Poe mystery adventure seems cool. I think it would be really cool. I love that. I, um, I'm i really drawn to a lot of these different 5e um, scenarios that they're putting out on Kickstarter. And I wish I had a group that I could play play with. Or I wish that I was I knew enough to feel like I could run a game and play some of this really cool stuff. Because I think it seems so, so fun. It's just like letting your imagination run wild. I love it. So that's for the stroke of midnight. Five days left. $21. Cool. The next one is much more up Jason's alley. And this one is called Rescuing Robin Hood, which I love Robin Hood as a theme. And I there are some games actually out like that I wish I want to try that Robin Hood and Merry Men or something. Yeah, I think Chris has that. Or he did. I, I, I like Robin Hood as a theme. I think it should be used more. And so this one's neat because you are like a towns person. And it's a deck builder. So you're going to draw your four cards. You're going to get skill tokens based on what kind of cards you have out there. You're going to get wit, brawn, stealth, and jolliness. And then um, you're going to attack to rescue some villagers. And then the villagers, if you rescue them, if your your attack is successful, based on whatever your brawn and your wit and everything, your stats – they those rescued villagers get into your deck so then they build up your deck and so after four days so it's a set number of rounds after four days of rescuing villagers you take that deck you choose four cards from your deck and you're going to storm um prince john's castle to try and rescue robin hood with those people i feel like that's a really cool idea it's like a two-stage thing kind of reminds me of um um heart of crown where you're kind of building a deck and then using it differently and I, I really like the theme. So I think it sounds just really fun and cool. The artwork is cute. I totally dig it. So that is Rescuing Robin Hood. There's six days left and it's 30 bucks. So are you attacking each other or are you playing together? You're not attacking each other. Oh, okay. All right. It's, it is collaborative. Yes. And apparently there are puns on a lot of the cards. Oh, boy. I know. Oh boy. Don't I love cards? Oh, it looks like you're attacking the sheriff of Nottingham's castle. Excuse me. I take that back. It's the sheriff oh, and I his gotcha. guards. So, so like we're you're all attacking, working together to attack him. Yeah, you're attacking the sheriff's guards to rescue the villagers. They join your band. And then you're going to go after Robin Hood once you've built up your peeps. Gotcha. Sounds cool. The art is cool. I just looked it up. Yeah, it's like family friendly and like cooperative. And I love, love, love me some deck builders. And I think it has that that cool mechanic of I'm working to build up this. I'm I'm, I'm having actions happening. Like I'm doing things. I'm rescuing villagers. So I'm using my deck. But then I'm going to take those that I've rescued. And then I'm going to see how they can be used later. So I thought that's really cool. Yeah, that's cool. So that's Rescuing Robin Hood. Six days, 30 bucks. The last one I'm super stoked about. And I think I've seen this probably on all the bajillion board game groups that I swear I they're on my Facebook and I look at them but I never see new games half the time but I pretty sure I remember this 
It's called Creature Comforts. Um, this is by Kids Table Board Gaming. I don't know anything about them. I'm sure they've done. They do Rec Raiders, which we like a lot. Oh, yes, which may or may not feature later in this podcast. <laughs> okay, so I really like them. And um, some of the artwork and kind of the concepts reminds me, remind me of Everdell. So what you're doing is you have a forest family. And um, you, in your forest family, you, you each have, you have two dice that you're going to roll because you're going to, um, you're going to do worker placement, but you get two dice and then there's a, there's a set of dice that are for everyone. Kind of like a, a, a so a collaborative kind of set of dice, family, di- or, um, what do they call them? The village dice. But you're going to program the spots you're going to go to before you see what those village dice are. And each of the spots you can go to, everyone, you you all, so I'm doing a terrible job. I'm usually much better describing these more succinctly. Jason's explaining is what I call it. I know, it's terrible. You roll your family dice. Then you are going to put your workers out on the board. There are enough spaces for everyone to go to everything, so you have to fight for the space. However, the spaces require certain types of dice, but you only know two of the dice you're going to have. So... There's like this really interesting, like, I can go anywhere I want, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to, in effect, pay for that space. But I kind of know a little bit of what I can do because I've got these family dice, two of them, and I'm going to get four more, and I don't know what they're going to be. That's interesting. That sounds cool. I know. I think it's wicked cool. So you go to the spot, and then um, you the new dice are rolled. You take your dice, and you use them to power your workers. If you don't and so you get whatever is at the different locations. They do different things. If you don't have the dice you need, it's called you have like a you get a lesson learned, which is like a little token that allows you to um, mitigate your dice in the future and kind of change them. They look like little band aids. So there's one band aid for to make it go down, and there's two band aids cross like a plus to make the numbers go up. It's adorable. Um, and so then after you do that, you get these resources and you're going to craft things, comforts, like rocking chairs and quilts and bread and stew. Um, and those are going to give you points. What you craft is going to give you points. And that's how you win points. So you want to have like the comfiest den or whatever. It's adorable. So you play over these different months while you're moving through the seasons, um, cl- make crafting these cute little things and getting these little improvements and the cool thing is like the improve, um, the comforts and the improvements, there's like bonuses and they can get combos and some of them work together, which I think is really cool. Um, and so then you're just shooting for the most points. And one of the things that caught my eye was, oh, they got the shaped meeples, people. It, oh, so adorable. Adorable wooden shaped meeples for each family. Um, they've got these so cute little wooden resources like apples and logs and leaves and mushrooms and yarn and books and rocks. Oh, they're so, so stinky cute. I love them. Love them. Oh, the coins have little maple leaves on them. So they're Canadian. I don't, they aren't loonies or toonies, but I they mean, leaves. There are other places that have maple leaves. Name one. I mean, I'm sure there are other countries that have maple leaves. I'm well, not yeah, the geography not expert flag, here. On their flag, man. Oh, I thought you were talking about the money. Yes, it's on the money, but you're not going to see maple leaves in other countries' money, I don't think. That's kind of a Canadian thing. Yeah, here we go. Back to the Canadians. Am I right, Canadians? Am I right? Yeah, I, the thing I like about this company that does this game, they always have really awesome artwork. The art is so stinky adorable. Really good. 
really amazing art. I love it. I want this game so bad. Do you hear me, Jason? Um, there's 13 days left left on this Kickstarter. Um, if you want just the straight up regular game, it's 38 bucks. But if you want the one that has like all the cute, you know, wooden resources, it's 46 bucks. $46. It's all, it's a lot of wooden shaped things. It's cool. It's so, uh, like it's the fancy, the wooden resources. You get the wooden, like you get the shaped meeples for your people. But like the stories and the coins and the yarn and the wood and the fruit and the mushrooms, those are, those are the little extra. But I think they're so worth it. So it sounds like a fun, like a, a fun little family worker placement. Um, I really like that dice mechanic where you're kind of putting your workers out without knowing exactly if you're going to be able to go there. I think that's cute. Creature Comforts, 13 days left in Kickstarter, 38 or 46 I've seen some stuff on the groups about this game and it does look awesome. And every time Kids Table Board Game comes out with something, I look at it because I really like Recreators. Their art is awesome. They always have really good production. So I'm sure this is no exception. Yes, now that I know what that company does because we all know how good I am at publishers and (laughs) (laughs) any of that. Yeah. Yep. So that's the news. All right. So let's talk about some games we played. We did get to play some games. We did. Woo-hoo. We we fought through COVID. Then we had a couple people over to play some games. A little nice quaint day of gaming after we all got better, which was nice. So one of the games we played is a new game that is going to be hitting retail in January. But it is out now. Kickstarter backers have it. And it is called Crimes in History, H.H. Holmes Murder Castle. And you got to say it like that because that's just the way it works. It sounds like super, like... <laughs> evil and devious murder castle it really does essentially what you're doing in this is you are flipping some tiles to build hh H. holmes's crazy murder castle and then you're exploring said murder castle to pick up some evidence cubes you're trying to be the first person to get all the colors of five different evidence cubes or five different colors of evidence cubes you need to get four or five of each cube based on how many players are playing but you got to watch out for Holmes because he'll show up. He might show up on your space, slap you around, make you drop some evidence. Um, and yeah, that's effectively the game. Uh, it's just walking around the house, exploring, picking up some cubes, staying out of Holmes's way. And then once you have all your cubes, getting back to the pharmacy so you can go turn them in. Um, so what do you think about this game? I liked it. Um, I, I thought it was going to be a lot more involved. And I, I feel like I want to play it a couple more times to kind of get the feel for it because... Holmes didn't really attack us that much, so we were just kind of able to move around, but, like, adding rooms to the castle as you explore it and having sometimes those blocking your way or you not getting what you had hoped for, um, that is really, um, I think, integral to how the game plays. It just, that became a bigger thing for us. And the event cards that allow you to kind of be mean and attack people, which Jason wholeheartedly did. <laughs> I did. I did it twice. Stole some evidence because I couldn't pick any stupid evidence up in any rooms. <laughs> um, so that that is that seemed to be more important than trying to avoid homes. But I liked it. I, I definitely I definitely want to play it some more, for sure. Yeah, I like it. I agree with you. I think it was I thought it was gonna be more involved than it is. Mm-hmm. And I do think that it's kind of hard for Holmes to hit you because it's so random. Because the way you move Holmes, in case you guys didn't watch the video or you don't know, you flip a card 
And then Holmes is going to move to one of the rooms on that card. There could be one room. There could be two rooms. Could be four rooms. If the room's not out, though, he's not going to move. So he could stay in the same room for multiple rounds because the room that is on that referenced move card hasn't been explored yet. So it's a lot of luck there of where he's going to move. And it's just, you know, so you can kind of avoid it if you're sort of paying attention. But yeah, he's not as big a threat as I was hoping he would be. Yeah, I think the options for playability, though, make this really interesting. So I definitely want to try it here over the Thanksgiving weekend with different groups and see how it kind of works out. Yeah, I agree. I like it. I like it. I just wanted to like it more. Right. Uh, The next game we played was a game from Queen, and we wanted to be Indiana Jones. And this game is called Thebes. I want it to be Laura Croft. Well, you can be Laura Croft. I want to be Indiana Jones because he's cool. So what you're doing in this game, if if you don't know, is it's kind of a, a game where you're moving around this map and you're spending time to try to pick up different types of knowledge of different colors, which you're then going to use to go on digs at one of these five dig sites in the bottom of the board. And basically what that boils down to is you're going to go to one of the locations, you're going to reach in a bag, you're going to spend time, you're going to look at how, how much knowledge you have in that area, and you're going to try to pull artifacts out of the bag. The trick here is there's a lot of dirt in that bag. That always stays in the bag. So as the artifacts get pulled out, the bag gets less and less valuable because there's a lot of dirt, not a lot of artifacts. Um, the whole point of the game is to just try to get as much stuff as you can. Go put them on display in certain cities and some exhibits. Um, collect some favors for some congressmen. All that type of thing. It's just a really cool moving around the board, collecting, doing some set collection, and then digging out of a bag. And I dig that. So what do you think about Thebes? I have always loved Thebes. Um, and it did not disappoint again. Even at first, I'm like, gosh, I feel like maybe I should go dig. Like, I didn't make it first to any of the dig sites. But um, and then I had some really, really crappy digs. And I'm like, oh, The Purple City. The Purple oh City God. was terrible. Crete, Crete was a hard time. It was rough. Uh, but I had a lot, a lot of Egyptian knowledge. I was raiding the tombs. But it's it's just so it's just so fun and that element of ooh what are we gonna get and you know how how much time we're we gonna spend on it how do we want this to go it's it's just so stinking good it still holds up it is ugly as sin but it's so fun to play yeah uh, like I love push your luck but man it was really irritating at the beginning of this like I went to the purple city. I was the first one there, so I at least got the one-point artifact for being the first one there. The Purple City's pull- great. Yeah. So I went to the Purple City, and I dug in the bag, got nothing. Katie goes to the Purple City, also known as Crete, digs in the bag, gets nothing. I think we did two or three bags in, in Crete, and nothing came out except for dirt. It was awful. <laughs> so bad. It, it, it was bad. And then, like, I think Josie, did she go dig in the same city? Or no, I had dug in Egypt two or three times and just like oh there's only like you know three or four left and what she do she pulls three you know artifacts straight out of egypt digging in there (laughs) it's definitely frustrating but it's still super fun because the game's only like an hour or so so it doesn't overstay its welcome and i yeah i I like this game a lot it's really really fun yep so good all right so the third game we played and the last one we're going to talk about in this section is a game that i just did a video for because we just played it i thought man this game's good and i need to do a video and it's called don't Turn Your Back by Evil Hat. Uh, we've talked about this game before. It's effectively a really weird themed, really weird art deck building game that also functions, your cards function as workers on the on different spaces on the board. So what you're doing is you're trying to take workers to uh, your cards to this different area so you can use their pain pa- points to be able to buy other cards that you have out in front of you. You're going to go to the high school to try to have the most pain in there to get some points. 
You're going to go to District 13 to try to um, meet the criteria of the each round laws card or each round's law card. I guess what I said before was dumb, which is effectively <laughs> like the event of the round. Then you're going to go to the bazaar. It's going to activate the special abilities on the cards. And then you're going to go to the Wax Kingdom, which is the, the hardest part to figure out because you go there, you basically are removing cards from your game, you're putting them in the encase section, and then based on how many pain points each person has in there, you're going to score your deck in different ways to get additional in-game points. That's the hardest thing to score. Everything else you just get scoring during the game. So I really like this game. It's probably one of my favorite deck building games just because it's weird, and it's but it's super unique with the way the cards are used as workers. So what do you think about this game? I love this game. Every time we play it, I'm like, why can't this be a different theme? <laughs> but it, it really is fun. I love, again, I love deck builders. And so I love it when they can do interesting mechanics. And I feel like this one really does. It's like, okay, I'm going to use the cards in my deck as workers at these different places. And I've got to make really critical choices. Like, where am I going to put things? Do I have the cards that can go in the places that I need to put things to try and get points? I am not very good at this game. I feel like I can never get it together. Didn't you win last time? Um, no, I definitely did not. Oh, well, not, it... not when we just played, I didn't. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because we got third and fourth in the... Wax Kingdom. Yeah. And, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It was it was not it was not good. Um it's terrible. So I I don't obviously don't want to play it well, but I, I do really enjoy it. It's super fun. Yeah, and if you if you can find a copy of it somewhere or you know somebody that has it, definitely play it once just because it's different. The theme is weird, the art is weird, so o- overlook that if you're you know, if it's not your bag. But the gameplay is really fun, it's fast and it's just a game I really enjoy. So if you can find it, play it. Yeah, I think it's it's another one of those. I like, I sometimes like a game that's like just like an underrated gem. And I feel like if you like deck builders or even if you like the horror genre, this is definitely one to go for, for sure. Totally agree. All right. So that was the games we played. Oh, that's it? Oh, well, I guess we did talk about three. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, yeah, we talked about everything on the list here. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess we'll go to our main segment, which is our top 100 games of all time. And we are hitting the top 50. These games are so, so freaking good. I mean, I've loved all the top 100 games because some of them I was like kind of upset that I'm like, oh, this seems like a low ranking. But I do play a lot more games than and every year. I'm playing more games than I ever have before. So they're just going to fall in this whole big spectrum um but we are in the top 50 and these are like this is the creme this is everything else was garbage all these are awesome this is where the cream is rising to the top it's so good <laughs> so babe i'll let you start all right so my number 50 the best game in my top well, i don't know scratch that the worst game in my top 50 <laughs> is my number 50 and that is shakespeare still a great game not a bad game at all um this is a worker placement action selection game, maybe. Um, yeah, you're using the you're you're using these discs and you're bidding for turn order with how many discs you want to use. Whoever bids the least amount of discs gets to go first, so on and so forth. And then you're going to use that disc to activate one of the people in front of you. So you're it's not really worker placement. You're just kind of marking who you're using. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get costumes for your actors. You're trying to build set pieces for your stage. 
and you're trying to hire new actors to come over to help you move up on three different colors of tracks that mean something, but I don't know what they mean. Um, and throughout the game, you're going to have a couple dress rehearsals, and then at the end of the game, you're going to have your final performance, which basically means in-game scoring, and whoever has the most points is the winner. Uh, you're not going to get a ton of points, maybe like 30. The score track only goes, I think, like 40 or something, and it's crazy, but it's a really good game. Uh, it's an awesome theme that's definitely not used a lot. Really solid. The expansion's really good, too, because you can do stuff with the um, disc that you didn't bid with, so all of your discs can be used in some way or another. So my number 50, Shakespeare. Oh, I love this game, and so I know that I will be talking about it later. It's so good. Shakespeare. What can I say? Um, so I've been informed today that this um, this next game, my number 50, is by Little Kids Table. <laughs> no, Kids Table Board Gaming. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> Shoot. I messed it up. Kids Table Board Games. And my number 50 is <laughs> Rec Raiders. Um this has such cool artwork. This game is really fun. Um, it's a set collection a lot in a couple different ways in right. contract fulfillment. Yep. So you are rolling dice into the lid, actually, of the bo- or the bottom of the box. Some uh, of the box. The lid, the lid, I think. Part of the box. Um, if you land in square, certain squares, you get like these extra little bonuses. And then you're going to, it's like a dice drafting game where I'm going to pick a die and I'm going to put it at a location that I want to go to and get a particular artifact there. And then I can either lay them in the hopes that I will meet um, the like a pattern on some of these contract cards, or I can put them in my gallery and try to get points from a set collection game. It is simple, but yet I find it difficult sometimes. Um, but it's fun. I like there's got some cool shaped meeples in this one. You also like or want to go where you can get bonuses from yourself and not give other people bonuses or you want to go where they can give you bonuses. There's a lot of little thinky parts in this and the artwork is so amazing and so pretty. And so that's why it's my number 50 Rec Raiders. Yeah, this game is really good. I'm trying to find out where it is on my list. I know I really like it. I don't know where it is on my list, but yeah, it's it's not a heavy game by any stretch of the imagination, but there's a lot going on, and it's just it's just good the whole time. So yeah, this is a really good pick. All right, so back to the list. I lost my list. All right, <laughs> number forty nine for me. Well, my forty nine because yours was fifty. My number forty nine is a game that we just picked up this year. Uh, I'm not sure when it came out, but it's from AEG, I believe, and it is called Santa Monica. So we've actually played this game quite a bit. This year, since we've gotten it, I actually got it for my birthday, so it's only been a couple months. That's how good this game is. And this is effectively a, a drafting game. You're drafting these different cards, and you're trying to build in front of you a tableau of a boardwalk and a beach scene. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to move these different types of meeples. I think there's a tourist, a local, and a VIP. And you're trying to move these these people around so they can either go play like maybe some beach volleyball. Maybe they want to go buy a bike at the bike shop. Maybe they want to go to a wedding or something on the beach and you're going to get points. If you can get certain people where they need to go on the beach, you're also going to have an in-game goal where if you have certain types of symbols, cause each of these different cards have some symbols on them. If you get different types of symbols next to each other, you're going to score some extra points. There's more stuff going on. There's like a food truck that if you draw from that, if you draft from that section, you can do an extra thing. There's a foodie that he'll let you do something else. And there's some special powers that you can spend some sand dollars for. There's a lot going on. 
not a complicated game by any stretch of the imagination, but it's good, has gorgeous art, and it's kind of laid back, but still super fun to play. So my number 49, Santa Monica. I love this game. We will definitely see it again higher on this list because I really like it a lot. I, mean, um, I like it too. It's in my top 50. I know, but mine's even higher in my top 50. <sighs> That's crazy. So my number 49, uh, I like it a little bit better than Jason. He talked about this last week, and that is Agricola. Um, I mentioned we talked about Agricola. This is an Uwe Rosenberg where you got to feed your people or you get in some serious trouble, which last time we played this, I think Jason had like three poverty cards. It was not good. Yeah, it was bad. I lost real bad because I was like in the whole like day or 12 points. <laughs> yeah, it was whoa, not good. I like this game a lot. I love that there are so many different things you can do. Um, you want to get, you know, all of the animals and you want to, you know, get everything in there, but it also you can do different things on your turn. You don't have to be like, okay, you have to hit this milestone, this milestone, this milestone in order to win. Like you can go about it in a lot of different ways. And I really like that about this game. Um, I love the little shaped resources and animals so, so much. And I may play with them much more than I play the game. But this is really fun. So it's my number 49, Agricola. Yep, this is pretty good. Uh, my number 48 is actually a game that I don't think you've played. Nope. And it is a farming game. Imagine that. Farming in, in Spain, I believe. And it is called La Granja, because I think that's a city in Spain. Um, so what you're doing in this game, you're farming. But the interesting thing about this game is you have multi-use cards. So the cards can be used in one of three different ways. You can use them as a wheelbarrow, which basically means they're going to turn into a contract that you need to fulfill. You can use them as an expansion onto one of your fields, like grapes. I can't even remember the other other goods, but you can plant additional crops or you can turn them into pigs, uh, more pins to hold pigs. So um, it's going to give you more resources that you can then sell to the locals or to your contracts or whatever. There's also an area control section in the middle of the board that you're trying to um, set up shop and just have more of your cubes out on this section of the board to try to score points. I don't really like that part, but it's in there. Uh, the crux of the game is it's a dice drafting game. So based on where you draft your die from, kind of like Grand Austria Hotel, draft your die from a section is the action that you're allowed to take and the power that you're allowed to take the action at. It's a really cool game. Uh, it's kind of hard to teach because there's a lot going on, which is why I don't really want to play it a ton because I hate teaching it. But someday I'll teach you and we can play it and then you can tell me what you think. So my number 48, Lagrana. I feel like there's so many games where you're like, hey, I just don't want to teach people. So sorry, wife. I love this game, but you don't get to play it. Ha ha ha. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fine. My number 48, you don't ever want to play, but I really like it. That's it not is, true. We just played this at camp. We did. I don't know how someone twisted your arm to play it. It's because there was a bunch of people and uh, I like this game because there's a bunch of people. <laughs> And that game is between two castles. This is distinctly separate from Castles of Mad King Ludwig because that is higher because I love that game. Between two castles is also really fun. I, again, this is because I am an experiential person and I love being able to like collaborate with somebody. It's still competitive, but I have people and I get two partners to turn to either side and say, hey, what should we keep? What do you think? Here's what I got. And you see there are tons of cool, neat rooms in this one. And then I also love 
in the same way that I love Santa Monica, where you're trying to like make almost an engine of your tiles to to increase your points and just get things to play off each other and these bonuses just to hit for multiple tiles multiple times. And I love that kind of puzzle thinking part about it. Um, it. It can be kind of chaotic, but it's nice that everyone's taking a turn at once. So it is, it's, I think it's really good to help introduce people to games because they have a partner to work with and talk it over. Um, it's also simultaneous action selection and it's one of uh, the better drafting games that I, I think is out there. So that is my number 48 between two castles. I guess I didn't explain how to play it. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, I mean, you, you don't have to, you can, if you want, go ahead. Um, you pass around tiles, you pick one for each side of your castle, you put it in the castle. Yeah, that's effectively it. <laughs> that's a Jason explain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually, I enjoy this game, but the tricky part is someone who hasn't played before needs to sit next to somebody that has played before. Right, right. So that's where it can get a little, depending on how many people have played and how many people haven't, that can get a little tricky. But I like everything else about it. It's fast. Uh, everybody's playing at the same time, so you're not waiting on that one AP person to take a 42-minute turn. So everybody's going at the same time, which is nice. I, I like this game. I just don't think it's in my top 100. <sighs> fine. It's good. It's good. It's fine. I like it. All right. Tell me your number 47, then. You can't argue with it because it was on your last week. <laughs> so my number 47 is a game from Renegade, and it is called Covert. So Katie talked about this a little last week. It's the old, like, 50 spy theme, like, think, get smart or whatever. And what you're trying to do is you are trying to move your little dudes around a map to get them in certain locations. You're trying to collect certain types of gadgets like phony papers, um, a shoe phone, a gun, tape recorder to meet the to fulfill these contracts that are in front of you, which are going to give you points like missions. Think of them as like missions. So I need to have my guy in, you know, Russia with a shoe phone and some lock picks. If I can have all that stuff, I can turn in the cards, score some points. Uh, you're trying to be the first person to complete, I think, five contracts or missions, and then whoever has most points is the winner. This is a really good game. It's not super hard. Um, it's a l- little harder than like Ticket to Ride because there, you know, you got some dice placement, you got some moving your dudes around on the board, you got some lock cracking. So there's like three different types of games going on, but I wouldn't say it's complicated by any means. So my number forty-seven, Covert. Yep, this game is real good. I already talked about it. My number 47, I think you talked about last week also. we This, this is a sign. We play a lot of games together. <laughs> um, except for the ones that you refuse to teach me because you're holding out. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> My number 47 is Mercator, which we talked about. It's this pick up and deliver, which seemed deceptively easy, but it is like pound your head on the wall hard. Honestly. It is super frustrating, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like every time I play it, I'm like, I thought I liked this game. I think I like this game. This game is so stinking hard. Why can't it ever be where I need to be? Why can't I ever get what I want to get? Why is my stuff spoiling? Why can't I fulfill these dumb contracts? Ah, like it's just, but it's, it's good. It's just real good. I like it a lot. I wish we, the one thing I do wish it comes with a bunch of cubes and I wish I had shaped goods. I actually love the cubes. I'm sure you do, honey. I was just going to make a comment that there's like 600 a cubes in this game. billion cubes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just boxes of cubes. That's all the components are. It's effectively cards and boxes of cubes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But it's good. It's good. So that's my number 47, Mercator. Um, so my number 46 is a Stefan Feld game, which we played not that long ago, I'm pretty sure. And the game is called Bruges. 
This is uh, mostly, it's an all-card game. What you're trying to do is you are trying to use your cards to do, it's multi-use cards, I guess. So you have a card that can do one of like five different things. You can turn the card into a building, which you can then put a person in later. You can use the card to play as a person in the building, which is going to give you some either one-time bonus, in-game points, or a special ability throughout the game. You can use the card to get money. You can use the card to build a canal. Or you can use the card to get rid of one of the plagues on your board. Or... So there's six things, I think. You can use the card to get some workers of that color so you can activate cards that are in your tableau. It's a pretty simple game to play. Um, it has Michael Menzel art on the board, if anybody's into him, and all the cards, I guess. Ours has weird paste up because it's the German version, so we don't get to look at all the nice card art, but still a good game. So my number 46, Bruges. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, don't, I, I feel like I still don't know how I feel about this game. I don't know. Yeah, it, I mean... I, I like it, but yeah, I don't think you like it as much as me. I, I don't. It, it I did like it. I think maybe if I played it more, I've only played it probably twice. But I definitely don't like it as much as you. That's for sure. My number 46, I feel like we've already talked about as well, but maybe it was Halloween episode. Maybe that's why. I was yes, it was it. Halloween. Yep. Yeah, maybe. And that is the bloody inn. I, I really have been wanting to pull this out and play it again because... It's got this kooky, I was talking about like I love gothic kind of strange themes, and this is one of them. You're running an inn. Well, you and everyone else, you all help run this inn because you have different rooms that belong to you. Right. And you want people to come and stay in your rooms so that you can kill them. You get money from them because they stay there. and then You you don't have to kill them. So you can kill them. I said you don't have to. I said you can kill them. Okay, right, right, yeah. And then you got to get their body out of there before cops show up and bust you um or you can recruit people to help join your gang to help you kill other people um there's also an expansion that's carnies which is creepy er still and i i think that's why i love it the artwork is really like i don't know how to explain it like minimalist uh rembrandtian kind of it's just i I like it. It's a little creepy. The gameplay is simple but fun because you're, you're you can use cards in multiple ways, which I always love. And you're trying you're you know each decision is really key because there aren't a ton of rounds. Um, so it's just a cool kooky game. I love it. That's a bloody in my number forty six. Yeah, this is a really good game. I do like the art. What what's that one guy? Edward Gorey. Oh, you think it, yeah. You think it kind of uh, looks like that? No, that's not look like a Gorey. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I do like this game. Uh, I, I don't know. Have you played the Carnies? Because I played the Carnies once, and it, it gets a little weird, but I still like it. I thought maybe I played it once. Maybe not, though. I don't know. I yeah, thought I it, did. The, good game. If It's, it's a, like a heavy game in a little box, which is kind of neat. Yes, I always love those. Um, so my number 45 is a game that we played this year for the first time. Well, we heard about it this year for the first time mm. from a member of the Riveted, Fred. And it is called Legacy, the Testament of Duke de Cresci. I don't know how to say his last name. Sure, it sounds good. Um, so this is a really interesting game. It is a game about building a family tree. And the way you're doing that is through some worker placement. So there's a, a board that everybody can go to that's going to give you some actions where you're going to be able to build some estates, do some community activities. Um I don't remember what the other ones are, but there's three other actions you can do. And then there's some actions on your board where you can go have kids. You can hire friends or invite friends over to, you know, just, I don't know, hang out, I guess. But the goal of the game is to marry your kids off so they can keep the family tree going. 
So there's going to be three generations of family, and you need to make sure that every generation you're marrying your kids off so they can keep the grandchildren coming. And you're going to get points based on, you know, some in-game goals that you have, how well you have made your each family, like, give them good manner, like a house and estates and all that stuff. It's really cool. It takes up a ton of table space, but it's an interesting theme. It's one of the di- most different games that I've probably ever played, and I like it. So my number 45, Legacy, The Testament of Duke de Cresci. I think this was like maybe 100 games down for me, but still pretty fun. It's weird, but I like it. It is weird. It's a, a weird theme, but it's really fun. Uh, my number 45 is a co-op game which has like a very satisfying theme to me because I want to kill Hitler. And that is Black Orchestra. This game is so good. PDB, the man, shout out. Um, Gosh, this game is so good. You and your cohorts are working from, and like you are actual people that were part of the the various um, different areas of the Third Reich. And you're working from the inside to take out Hitler. So you have to move around um, to pick up different pieces to execute a plan to off Hitler. Meanwhile, you know, you're getting suspicion cast on you. Um, Hitler's moving around and kind of taking away some of your options. Sometimes you want him to be by you. You could get thrown in jail. The Gestapo can question you. It's like tense and so hard, but really fun. So my number 45 is Black Orchestra. Yeah. um, My number 44 Everything Katie just said. <laughs> Black Orchestra, or whatever number this is. Is it 44? Yours is 44. I had it for 45. Yeah. So my number 44 is everything Katie just said about a number 45. <laughs> it's Black Orchestra. Super good game. Um, it's one of the few co-ops that I really enjoy, mostly because it's it's got some luck in it with the die rolls, but it's still like super fun to play, and it has a lot of theme to it, which is not something that I like, but I like it in co-ops. I don't know why. But I like it in co-ops. Hmm. And this is a really good game. And I like to play as Dietrich Bonhoeffer because he's cool. So That's true. My number 44, Black Orchestra. Well, you got out of that one quick. <laughs> because I didn't have to say much. <laughs> you already said it. My number 44 is a game that um, our Kickstarter version should be arriving soon. But we have a cool um, prototype that's laser cut and smells like burnt wood. And that is... <laughs> Paris. Did you talk about this one last week? Uh, possibly. I don't know. That was last week. I don't know. I feel like we talked about it recently. Um, <laughs> I think you did. Paris, uh, the artwork is so cool. You're doing some area control stuff in these different kind of sections of Paris. I don't remember. All, there's some keys you're laying down to like establish the control. I feel like I wasn't very good at it, but it was really fun. Like Interesting choices decisions and it looks so so pretty you've got the arch triomphe that you can set up in the middle um i really liked it so my number 44 is paris yeah i think i did talk about this last week because i remember talking about the landmarks and area control and all that stuff yes i do too yeah this is a good game can't wait to get the good clean kickstarter non-smelly version can't wait (laughs) i don't mind (laughs) I think we're going to give the, um, I'm going to send the one that smells like burning to Tim. <laughs> hey, so it's, it's like, hey, Tim, you smell. Want a game that smells too? <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say all that, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> I did. 
All right, so my number 43, moving on from Paris, we're going to go to another town. And this game is called Istanbul, not Constantinople. Constantinople. No, not Constantinople, oh, Istanbul. It's, it's nobody's business with the Turks. Yeah. So uh, we've talked about this game before. Uh, what you're doing is you're moving around the board, trying to be the first person to collect five or six gems based on the number of players. You're going to be doing that by spending different resources, by collecting resources, by spending money, by growing your wheelbarrow so you can store more resources, by getting your idiot cousin out of jail so he can go do some stuff for you, by arresting other people's idiot cousins and putting them in jail. Really good game. There's some cards that are going to give you some special abilities. Super fun. Um, it's not hard to play. It's Rudiger Dorn. AEG, I think, is the version we have. We also have an expansion that we haven't played yet, and we need to someday. So my number 43, Istanbul. Yeah, this one's good. I don't think it's as high. I think it's in my top 150, though. Fun game. My number 43 is a game about running your own TV network, and it's called That Networks. Um, I This one is so fun. I love that there's, like, actresses and actors and commercials and TV shows that are all kind of satires of actual shows and people. I always think that's really fun. I like the idea of trying to get like hit shows. And again, this has that really great like bonus kind of thing. We're like, okay, if I put this in this spot, it's going to give me extra points and I get more viewers. If I put this actor and actress in it and you see, you're trying to, you know, get all those to balance so you can really clean up on the points. I really like that. Again, we, we have the executives expansions and still haven't played it. And I really want to. Um, and I think we backed the two player one, didn't we? Yeah, it should be here. I don't know. Sometime. Like next, next five years or so. <laughs> right. It might show sometimes. <laughs> so that'll be fun, too, to play the two-player version. But um, the Networks is really great. It's a drafting game where you go through – I forget how many – I think you can play – there's a couple different options of how many seasons you can play through um, for your shows. They will age. You get sponsors to collect money. You have to pay for the upkeep of the actors. You're drafting actors and actresses. Um you're adding you can get different bonuses as far as like for show types that you have um there's a lot of good stuff in this and i feel like it's a really accessible theme so even though it's a little bit heavier kind of like game mechanics a lot of people can really get into it because they understand the idea of tv shows and i mean we've all watched the tv guide channel especially those of us that are like 80s, 90s kids, when you had to sit and watch the channel and it slowly scrolled through and if you missed your channel, you're like, ah, oh, crap, I got to wait till it comes back again. Like that's kind of what the player board looks like on this. So I feel like it's just really accessible. So that's why I like it. My number 43, The Networks. Yeah, this is a good one. I, I thought I talked about it before, but maybe not. I do really like this game. It might not be in my top 100, but I do like it. Yeah, I don't know. All right, so my number 42 is a game from Wolfgang Warsh, who did a game that's probably going to come up higher on my list called Quacks of Quedlinburg. Probably. But this game, yeah. This game is called Taverns of Tiefenthal, or Tiefenthal. I'm not sure how I say that word. Um, what this is, is this is a, a dice drafting game where you're going to be using these dice to acquire new cards. You're also doing some deck building. And you're also going to be using these dice to upgrade your tavern to make it more powerful, to brew beer, to have more servants help you, to uh, get some ale, have special um, customers come in and give you some special abilities. There's a lot going on here. Um, it's basically like every mechanism that you could put into a game has kind of been in this one. 
but they work well together, and I really like it. So my number 42, Taverns of Tiefenthal. This is a good game. I think it's higher on my list, but I don't know. I don't think I've talked about it yet, so it must be. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember you talking about it. Who knows? I don't know. My number 42 is a game that I feel like suffers because we don't play it as much because the text is very small on the tiles, and that is Ex Libris. I love books. I feel like that's not a secret. You do. Shut up. Um, and this is a game about shelving and organizing your own library. And there are different types of books that you want. Like there are specific books that give you extra points. There are books that are verboten that you don't want, that nobody wants. Um, so you want to avoid those because they're negative points. Um, you've got little workers that you're going to place at these different areas to get books and you want them to be in alphabetical order and I really love that and I want to play this game more and I love the chunky player pieces that you get they are so cool um but on the spots where you go to get library the books for your library it's so tiny writing. So you have to really peek at them to see, oh, do I want to go here? I don't know. What happens? Um, but it's such a good game. So that's my number 42, Ex Libris. You know, I think I kind of want to make uh, a player aid that has all the rooms laid out so everybody can have it in front of them. That would help. Well, yeah. Or we could just paste over it with bigger words. That's true. Yeah. I mean, you could memorize it too, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. I do like that game. Yeah, it's just so small and hard to read those tiles, and it just bothers me. So my number 41 is a game about making beer. Another game about beer right after the last game about beer. You have a drinking and, problem. <laughs> clearly. And this game is called Heaven and Ale. So this is about monks making beer. So maybe that's better. Oh, so it's holy beer? <laughs> it's holy beer. <laughs> So what you're doing in this game is uh, it's got the Takedo mechanism where you can move as far as you want around a board to try to collect these tiles, but you can't go backwards. Um, and then whoever's farthest back gets to keep going. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to move around this board, collect these tiles. You're going to put tiles on one of the sides of your board. There's a light side and a dark side. Um, the light side, I think, gives you money whenever it's activated, and the dark side gives you resources whenever it's activated. Maybe it's flip-flopped. One gives you resources, one gives you money. doesn't matter. And you can also activate some monks that are going to do some things. You can try to enclose some areas to get these special little village tiles, which are going to let you activate some stuff again. Basically, what you're trying to do is you're trying to move your brewmaster up to get out of the negative so you can at least score some points. If your brewmaster is below zero, you don't score any points and you can't win. So it's just a lot of uh, thinking about the best moves to make, trying to be as efficient as possible with the little turns that you get to take and the little amount of money that you have to try to score the most points. Um, I really like it. It's good, it's stinky, and it looks like a Euro, so I'm in. So my number 41, Heaven and Ale. Yeah, it's super thinky. I like it. I think I've talked about this one before, maybe in my top 150. Um, I need to play it a few more times to kind of see if I still get it. It's, it's hard, but it is. It is really good. My last game, my number 41, my last game of this set is... A game that just brings out your inner gangster. And I don't mean gangsta. I mean gangster. There are different games to bring out inner gangsta. This one that brings out inner gangster is The Godfather. Oh, we got minis in this game. Big ones. Is this an Eric M. Lang game? Yep. And um, Simon. 
Wow. Two things that hardly ever happen here. But yep. this game is so good. You're in charge of a family, the family. You're trying to take control <coughs> over these different areas in New York. That's kind of a side thing because what you're trying to do is fulfill these contracts. You're going to, you know, just kind of, you know, knock over a store. You're going to put some pressure on. You're going to, um, you know, do a drive-by, set a car bomb out because somebody look at you wrong. You don't let them do that. It's cool. It's like, it's really easy to play. You just place your family member or one of your thugs on a spot on the board and you take the item and then on your next turn, or if you, when you have the, the things to fill the contract, you fulfill it. That's, that's it. And you get points, you get money for that. You're banking your money in this briefcase, um, which is cool. You're, um, then also trying to get points and money through, um, area control, it's a good time. It's a good time. I like it. The Godfather. Number 41. Yeah, I think we actually talked about this on the videos, the live streams. I think this dropped out of my top 100. I can't believe that. I know. I Nope, there it is. 77. Okay. 77. Yeah, I enjoy this game quite a bit. I don't know why. It's just so fun. <laughs> I love it. I obviously enjoy it more than you, apparently. You do? Yeah. I, I think- it was pretty high last year for me. I think it's because of, like, the interactions. Like, we always have a fun time playing with other people. It's really easy to get people involved in this one. We played this. We started to play this at camp over the summer. And it rained on. It rained on. But, like, we had the soundtrack. One of our friends brought the soundtrack on his phone for the movie. <laughs> like, we were, all, awesome. we were all into it. Next time, we're going to get cannolis. It's going to be real. It's, it's, it's good. <laughs> So let's do a recap then of our numbers 50 to 41. All right. So my number 50 is Shakespeare. My number 49 is Santa Monica. My number 48 is La Granja. My number 47 is Covert. My number 46 is Bruges. My number 45 is Legacy, the Testament of Duke de Cresci. My number 44, Black Orchestra. My number 43, Istanbul. 42, Taverns of Tiefenthal. Tiefenthal, however you say it. And my number 41, Heaven and Ale. And my number 50 is Recreators. 49, Agricola. 48, Between Two Castles. 47, Mercator. 46, Bloody Inn. 45, Black Orchestra. 44, Paris. 43, The Networks. 42, Ex Libris. And 41, The Godfather. So, we've talked about every all kinds of things. From Canadian holidays to... Little kids board gaming table group <laughs> kids drawing, table board gaming all that stuff. <laughs> so, what are you guys playing over the holidays? And for you Canadians, tell us what you played on the holiday when you actually had it. Um, I know we do have some Canadian listeners. We might not after this episode, but we had some. We had. Some. <laughs> if we haven't lost them by now. We're not going to. We're <laughs> They're different. Canadians are very forgiving. <laughs> They're so nice. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry, Canadians. Um, we love you. I I love Canada. I'm still working. I've been watching a TV show about Canadians for like two days. So I, I like Canadians. I just don't feel like it's about Canadians because no one has a Canadian accent in it. Uh, when they say sorry, they do. I've never heard anyone say oat in a boat. Well, the coach. no one says that. Or the and they're also board. not afraid of the dark either, like a lot of Canadians. I don't think that that that's just on one episode of How I Met Your Mother. That's not real. You don't know that. There's no hockey in it either. 
Okay, that see that lets me know it's not a Canadian <laughs> show. There's no hockey in there. Um, so anyway, if you're all still listening, I hope everyone's having a great holiday or even just a regular weekend or a regular week. Tell us what you're playing. What's going on? What's what's happening? We are hoping to get some games in um, this this holiday weekend while we're out and enjoying some pumpkin pie. So tell us about the games you're playing with your family. We're heading into the holiday season. So if you can, if you are safely gathering, what games do you want to play? What games are you hoping to get from Santa or Père Noël? Um, what, what about Père Fouettar? Père Fouettar is coming to visit Jason with his bag of sticks to beat him because he's been bad this year. <laughs> You're getting no games. I no. Okay, fine. Jason already did some Black Friday shopping online tonight. Snag, yep, recruit- snag us some video games. Yeah, a Switch. None of that crazy PS5 and Xbox stuff. Coming. Oh, no. We're old. We can't play those those new consoles. And plus, we got to split time between board games. So, True. all of this to say, we love hearing from you guys on our Facebook, on the Instas, on the Twitters, and definitely on our YouTubes. So, like, subscribe to YouTube. If you hang out and play some games with some family, um, go ahead and 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 send them our way. Say hey. I listen to this pretty okay podcast. Um, if you want help sleeping at night, uh, if you need meaningless sound in the background, why don't you listen to it? Recommend us. We'd love to. We love when new people join. If you know someone else that listens and they're not a member of hashtag the Riveted, if you're not a member of the Riveted Facebook group, it is a great place to be, and you need to be there. Um, and also, Jason has all these videos on YouTube. I actually was featured in one recently for Obsession. I still do videos, people. So you might want to check that one out. That's true. Yep. She decided to do a video. I know. Shocking. I took time out of busy schedule. <laughs> All right, everybody. I have yammered on long enough. I hope everyone has a wonderful Thanksgiving. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming.